today we start a new theme, and the theme is God has more for us. Amen? What a beautiful truth that the scriptures hold that says that God has more than we can imagine, infinitely more. And so we want to receive that today and in the following weeks. So I would like to talk today about a posture, a position that we need to be in to receive more from God. Pastor Peter uh, spoke last week talking about how we are to be participants, that we are to participate in the things that God is doing. And we see that all through scriptures. It says that you reap what you sow. Good. We receive more because we have used well what we have been given. And that we know that God is moved when our faith, when we have faith, our faith activates God. So we know that we have a part to play in receiving more that God has for us. And so I think that honor is a good foundation to lay to start this series. <clears throat> when I honor others, God honors me. That's what we're going to explore. When I honor others, God honors me. And <clears throat> I'll start by saying Honor is not a popular topic in our culture, right? It, it, honor is slowly eroding from, from who we are as a people and what we expect. And so when we study this today, please know that it may rub us the wrong way, right? So stuff that we talk about, stuff that we see in the scriptures, it might kind of irritate us. It might, might put us on edge because we don't even realize how much we are influenced by the culture around us. In, in, in influences our thoughts, how we behave. But we as Christians, if you're a Christian, we know that we are not to be influenced by the things of this world, but we are to keep our hearts and our actions in line with what scriptures say. So we're going to look at what scriptures tell us about honor. And just know that I'm not speaking here today with my finger in your face, like you got to do this and you better know that my finger is pointing at my own face, okay? We are just exploring together what the scriptures say about honor. We are learning together. I am just as much responsible for posturing myself in a way of honor as you are. So if you are new here and you're not a Christian, you're just someone invited you, you're just checking it out, you're not really sure what you think about Christianity, I'm glad you're here. I'm so glad you're here because you, the most important question you will ever answer in your life is, is there something after this life? Is there something more? And you need to know that, and you should care about that. So I'm glad that you're here. It means that you do. And you need to discover if there is a God, who is that God, and what is your responsibility to that God who created you? So welcome. And, and when I'm kind of saying we ought to live this way and we should live this way, know that I'm talking to Christians, okay? I'm not telling you what to do. But I am encouraging you that you should uh, discover God and join us in believing in Christianity. I think that it's true. Okay, let's get going. I felt led to speak on honor, and so I decided to go through and kind of look up all the places in the Bible of who God tells us to honor, all the different times it's mentioned. And today's teaching is going to be topical. There's two types of sermons. There's expository, expository sermons and topical sermons. Expository means you take a scripture or a chunk of scriptures together and you look at it in detail. You look up each word, what's the Greek, what's the Hebrew, how is this conjugated, you know. You look up every word in that sentence and you really try to get a sense for exactly what that verse means. Which of our pastors loves to preach? expository sermons 
Pastor Peter, he loves it, and I love it. It's great. So that's one way of, of studying the scriptures. Then you have teachings that are topical, and so that means you're more getting uh, a whole overview and trying to get a big picture of what does the Bible say in general as a whole about this topic. And so that's what we're doing today. It's more of a topical uh, sermon, so don't get you know seasick as we're flipping back and forth between different passages, but we want to see everything God has to say on this topic. So you can see there we have parents, spouse, marriage, Sabbath, elderly and widows, God, employers, everyone, everyone, you like that one, authorities, pastors, and elders. Now we don't have time today to explore all of these. We really could have spent the whole month studying honor, but we just have today. So we are just gonna look at the last three I have listed there today, but please know there are other things <clears throat> that the Bible says. So let's read this chunk of scripture from 1 Peter. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and exiles to abstain from the desires of the flesh that wage war against the soul. Conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles, so that, though they malign you as evildoers, they may see your honorable deeds and glorify God when he comes to judge. For the Lord's sake, accept the authority of every human institution, whether of the emperor as supreme or of governors as sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to praise those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing right you should silence the ignorance of the foolish. As servants of God, live as free people, Yet do not use your freedom as a pretext for evil. Honor everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Okay, so let's start with this first one. Honor everyone. Do we even need to study any other categories? Because everyone, right, that, that encapsulates everyone. Honor everybody. And that sentence sounds so cute and it's so succinct. succinct but when you think about what that means, honor everyone, you mean the people I don't agree with? You mean the people that don't agree with me? I'm supposed to honor people who have wronged me? That's everyone. Already on the first point, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't like this sermon. Honor everyone. Now, how you honor, how you show honor to people it's gonna be different, right? So let's just use the example. Let's say you were raised uh, in a single parent home and your mom raised you and your dad took off and you never heard from, never helped, whatever. How you honor your mom is gonna look different than how you honor that father that was not in your life, right? So for your mom, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna thank her, you're gonna write her letters, you're gonna take her out over the years, you're gonna help serve her, help clean up her house. There's all kind, there's no end to how you can show honor and serve. How might you show honor to the dad that left and wasn't a part of your life? How about this? Choose to not speak negatively about him. That's a way that you can show honor to someone who has not acted honorably towards you, to someone who has wronged you. You know, you have an ex from a divorce or from a relationship. How am I supposed to honor them? I have nothing nice to say to them. They've wronged me. We can show honor by simply not speaking negatively about them. And say, Lord, I am doing this to, on to show honor to you because you have asked me to honor everyone in my life. 
whether I like that or not. So the other part of that verse, love the family of believers. So let's talk for just a second about honoring each other in here, in this room, in, in this church. There's another verse, let's jump over to it, that's very similar to this one, and it's in Romans. It says, love one another with brotherly affection, right? Okay, so love each other, love the church. Outdo one another in showing honor, I love this verse because it's one of the places in the Bible that it says it's okay to be competitive and that we should try to outdo each other, right? So it's saying, I am going to be so much better at blessing you than you are at me. Just wait, I am gonna outdo you in showing honor. That's the attitude that we should have about each other in this room. I wanna issue a challenge that in the next four weeks of this series, where we're learning where God has more for us, let's try to outdo each other in showing honor. Let's make it a competition, if you will. And how might you do that? Well, you could pick the worst parking spot, the furthest parking spot away from this gym. You know, we're all like, oh shoot, I'm all the way back, I have to walk through the rain. Well, I'm gonna choose that. I'm gonna choose the farthest space and I'm gonna honor someone else by giving them a better space. You could, for those that are parents, you could not roll your eyes internally or get frustrated when you get stuck in line at the nursery and you're behind the, the, the mom that's got five kids in five different rooms and they're having to put their shoes on and you're waiting, you're like, I just want to get my one kid and get out of here. No, you can honor them and say, you know what? Let me, let me help you get your kids, get your stuff. I'll walk you to the car. Let me help buckle them in. Then I'll come back and get my child. I don't know, think of ways that you can outdo each other in this church, that we can do that this month and show honor, outdo each other in showing honor because it's what God has commanded us to do. Let's go to the next one, honor authorities. Here we go, it's getting hot, it's getting tricky, okay? This is uncomfortable. Let's see what the scripture said that we just read. For the Lord's sake, accept the authority of every human institution. But I don't agree. I don't agree with every human institution that's exists. I don't agree with all the leaders that exist. I might not agree with who the president is. I might not agree with my governor. I might not agree with my teachers. I might not agree with my boss. And you want me, what if I don't think what they're doing is right? And you're saying that the scripture says I need to honor that person? Yes. And I, and I say that, no, saying that it hurts me too, that it's painful for me too. And I'm, and I'm trying to unwrap this, that we have to honor the position whether we agree with the person, whether you agree with things that are happening. Now, let me be clear. Showing honor does not mean you have to agree, okay? So I'm not saying that you have to agree with, with every policy that's put forth or what's happening in your school district. Or You don't have to agree, that doesn't mean honor. You can disagree and still show honor. We're going to end by talking how to do that. This is difficult. This is challenging to us. When I, had, uh, when I was in high school, I had a teacher, my history teacher, and she, one of the first days of school, said, uh, who in here is a Christian? Raise your hand. And so, you know, I don't know, me and whoever else did, a few of us. And she said, I am so surprised out of all the religions you would pick, you would pick a religion with such a weak symbol. You picked a religion of a man dying, an embarrassing death on a cross, and you picked that one? And she said, I bet I know why you're Christians. You're all from Sanford, aren't you? And so I grew up in Sanford. Let me pause there. And I said, why is that funny? <laughs> Look, you're already laughing. 
gosh, they never get the bad rap. Okay, uh, Sanford at that time, right now it's like the rest of Orlando. It's built up, it's nice, there's nice areas, there's poor areas, but it's very uh, developed. But back when I was in high school, it was not very developed, and you had a very impoverished part of Sanford, and then you had a pretty country side of Camp Sanford, just a lot of land and, you know, like farm homes. And so she said, you know, I bet those of you who are Christians are from Sanford, and she would put on this really thick country accent. She'd be like, you better not drink that water, everyone else, or you'll be real dumb like these Sanford kids. And for the rest of the weeks that went by, if you, ever, if you answered a question out loud and you got it wrong, she would say, uh-oh, someone's been drinking the water, drinking the Sanford water, and now you're getting dumb like these Sanford kids. You better get that bottled water. She would just go on and on. So my question to you is, did I have permission from God to dishonor her? I don't. Scriptures don't say that. But I still have to honor her position as my teacher. Now, can I disagree? Absolutely. Can I raise my hand and say, uh, I disagree with your assessment of Christianity, or um, I am from Sanford, and I don't, you know, I can disagree. Yes, I can disagree. Could I go to the principal and say, you know what, this is, what your te- this is how your teachers are teaching us. Yes, I could do that. Could I switch out of her class? Yes, I could, and I did. <laughs> did not stay in that class. I switched to another history teacher. Yes, all of that was okay to do, but I did not have permission to dishonor her, to to um, slander her, to try to malign her so I can make myself feel better after she humiliated me in front of the class. I don't have permission from God to do that. That's what the scriptures say. And this is what I'm saying is so uncomfortable because it's like, why? That doesn't make sense. When you're being wronged, when someone's making fun of you, when someone's belittling you, when someone's humiliating you, when you don't agree with what they're saying, you're saying, I still have to honor the position that they're in. Yes, I am. Because the scripture says that we were once not a people, but now we are God's people. A royal priesthood, a holy nation. And when we look to Jesus Christ who sets that example, history does not record one word of protest that came from the mouth of Jesus when he was being wrongfully accused, beaten, and hung on a cross. Do you think of anyone in history, of anyone who was being wrongfully maligned, wrong things said about his character? Think what he could have done. He could have left. You know, you fools. I knit you together in your mother's womb. I created you. You have no idea who you're talking to. Did he overthrow the government? Did he try to humiliate him? Silent. Silent before his accusers. Now, what we also know is true of Jesus. Did he speak truth to the Pharisees? Absolutely. He spoke truth to them. When they were saying th- things that were untrue about Christianity, about him, he would speak in the face of things he disagreed with. But when his accuser, when he was brought before and accused and maligned, he didn't do that in return. And so we follow him. We, further in that verse, it says, Conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles so that though they malign you as evildoers, they may see your honorable deeds and glorify God. It's a testimony. It's a testimony. When you're going through, when you're going through a divorce and, and you've got people around you saying, gosh, how are you? I have not heard you say one negative thing about your ex-husband, your ex-wife, and I know that they were terrible to you or, you know, it was unfair. 
how did you do that? Why aren't you ever speaking negatively about them? The testimony right there. There's your chance to say, because I'm a Christian or because God, whatever. It's a testimony when we choose to honor even people who are not honorable. But we're, we're honoring the position that God told us to honor. We can disagree. That's fine. We should disagree. Listen, there have been plenty of things. I am all for advocating in your government. Petition. Change things that you believe are wrong. If you don't agree with policies, do it. Do it. Do it. But we, where we draw the line is where we start to humiliate, make fun of someone in that position who God has allowed. I, I, when I think about the most easy example I think of are memes. Memes making fun of whoever. President, teachers, police. Uh, parents, all these people that mark these, and I, and we laugh, we make fun. To me, that's stepping over the line. To, okay, now you're dishonoring. You can disagree. You can say things need to change, but we should not cross that line to dishonor because God does have more for us. He has more for us, and we want to position ourselves in the place of honor that he can honor us. When I honor others, God honors me. And I don't want to take away from the more God has for me because I'm sitting here in the seat dishonoring, mocking something that God has said in his scriptures, show honor. Be like me. Let let your honorable deeds be a testimony that I am real and I've changed the heart inside of you. Amen? All right. The last chunk that we're going to talk about are honoring elders and pastors, and we're switching to another scripture here. Now, let's just, can we just acknowledge this is kind of uncomfortable because it seems like I'm saying, oh, you honor me. Okay, listen, I am just as much responsible for honoring my pastors as you are, so I just lean into the awkward with me, okay? And let's get past the fact that I'm talking about being a preaching pastor. But I have the founding pastors, the executive pastors, I have pastors in my life in this church that I need to honor. So again, I am growing and learning with you. I'm certainly not telling you to do something to me. Okay, First Timothy, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. What does double honor even mean? I'm not even too sure. Some of the commentators said that that could be referencing wages, like because earlier it referenced widows and that you show widows uh, honor and take care of them, and then it goes here and says you should give double honor. But I'm not pulling that thread today. I'm not talking about wages. I'm talking about our hearts and positioning ourselves to be in a place where we have a posture of honor so that God can honor us. Now, this can be really challenging uh, because... Because it can be like, okay, how? How can I, how should I, how ought I to show honor to our pastors? So just, I'll just give you some ideas. One, you can pray for them. Pray for your pastors. They need it. They need, they need to be hearing from God. They need direction. Pray, pray for us. That is a way that you can show honor. Another way is you can choose to not dishonor in your thoughts them. Meaning, I keep my thoughts right about my pastors or leaders or mentors. So when something happens, which is inevitable, right? It's inevitable that we're going to disagree or get offended or get frustrated by our pastors. It's going to happen, right? So, so you have to make the choice and say, I will not dishonor in my thoughts my pastors. I'm not going to do it. There's plenty of opportunity, right? When, when weeks when it's Pastor Mark's turn, you're like, oh, great. 
He's going to say something politically incorrect, right? And you're like bracing yourself. You're like, oh, no, I brought someone from work. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Pastor Peter's week. Oh, boy, here's the one that, that, that yells the whole sermon. He yells the whole time. <laughs> he stands so close over the edge that my anxiety grows. All I think is that he's going to fall over, and he always talks in this high-pitched, effeminate voice when he's making fun of someone. <laughs> Okay, it's so easy to let her, or, or, you know, Dr. Crystal, me, we're, we're female, right? That's a dangerous subject in church. It's very easy to get, allow your thoughts to get offended, to dishonor your thoughts. That bothers me. That bugs me. A way we can honor is not letting dishonoring thoughts in our mind. And if you have disagreement, to go with, to them and work it out. We're going to get there. I'm going to get ahead. You can find ways to serve. Find ways to serve. Here's a simple way. Calling them pastor. <laughs> Giving them the title that, that the Bible says they're due. And I know this can be challenging for this church because, uh, one, our church culture is a little different. In a lot of churches, you, you hire pastors. When, when you have a position, that you, you know, you take resumes and you, you would hire a pastor from, you know, North Carolina and then they come and like, okay, this is the new associate pastor. And so that person's a stranger. You're just, you know, they're being hired as that. We, a lot of our pastors have grown from within. <laughs> Some people, you know, I knew Pete, I knew Pete 20 years ago when he came here from Scotland. That's Pete. That's Peter. That's my buddy. He's my small group leader. And he is. Oh, I have beer with him on the weekends. And it's so easy to become familiar with our pastors. Oh, I knew Mark since... OCC days, you know. <laughs> True. But we are not in a position to receive honor from God and the more he has from us when we're not posturing ourselves with honor. Now you may think, oh, you're just, you're nitpicking. Now, I, I am, let's explore the scriptures together. How might we show honor? And I think that the way we do that is showing honor and how we address them. And because with that, something that happens is you grow really familiar, right? And, and that can be a dangerous thing when it comes to honor. We see that this happened to Jesus. Let's read this passage in Mark 6. Jesus left that part of the country and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. The next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. They asked, where did he get all this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? Then they scoffed. He's just a carpenter, the son of Mary and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. And his sisters live right here among us. They were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Then Jesus told them, A prophet is honored everywhere except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own family. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Another um, scripture says he was marveled at their unbelief, which says he, Jesus only marveled two times. It only says he marveled two times in scriptures. One was at someone's great faith, and one was at the people of his hometown. He was like, this is amazing that they, they have no honor for me because they're so familiar with me. And this, this can happen to us. Oh, it's just, it's just Pete. It's just Peter. It's just Mark. It's just Jared. Is a worship leader really a pastor? It's just Jared. You know? And listen here. When you go meet someone that you have a lot of respect for, 
let's say, you know, someone that's been influential on your life, like David, my husband got to meet uh, Ravi Zach- Mr. Ravi Zacharias, and he has been very influential in David in his coming to faith and growing his faith, and so he got the opportunity to meet him, and it was like, you know, like it was a moment, and there was such honor there, and he got to thank him, thank you for your books, thank you for your teachings, they have shaped my life, they have changed my eternity. He was able to, you know, kind of get a chance to give that honor. Or let's can say you go to a Hillsong conference or concert or Bethel concert, whatever. What do you do when you get, you, you pay money first, right? You buy a ticket, it's not free. Then maybe you take off work early because you're like, oh, I gotta get to Tampa or I gotta get to the arena early. So you're excited, you're like, okay, I'm leaving work early, I'm ready. On the way there, you're talking, you're like, I'm so excited, you're talking to your friends. God's gonna talk to me, I'm gonna believe that God's gonna have an answer for this situation when, when you know, I don't know, her name, Kim Walker is prophetically singing, it's gonna be for me. You know, your expectation is rising, rising. You get there early, you find your spot, you get your seat. The concert starts, and it's like, wow, you know, and you receive, because your expectation is there. Let's roll that back and contrast that with a Sunday morning. Saturday night, we're thinking, are we gonna go, or should we just watch online? You know, it's been a crazy week. We're exhausted. The kids are nuts. What do we get? Okay, then maybe you come. We stroll in 10 minutes late. Okay, I'm not, I am not judging. I came late last week. <laughs> it's insane. This is something that my heart's needing to change too. But we come late. We come, oh, it's just Jared. It's just Ben. It's just Grace. It's just, we have no honor for our church body, for the people you're sitting next to. For the people on stage that, that are trying to usher us into the presence of God, we have no honor. Where there's no honor, there's no expectation. Where there's no expectation, there's no faith. And how, when we're sitting here saying, we want more from God, I want more from God has more for me. But we have no expectation, we have no faith because we have no honor. So like we meet in a gym in the middle of Pine Hills and it's always, it's always hot and you always have to, we can't let ourselves get familiar and take for granted the people that make up this church, the leaders of this church. Let's show honor so that we can receive the more that God has for us. So important. Here's something that I think trips us up in church a lot, is that we think, like I've been saying, we cannot disagree but still be in unity. We think we can't disagree but be in unity. So I want to give you this visual. Think of this beach ball as the church. This is the church body. All of this makes up the church body. And every color represented here is equally a part of this beach ball, right? And, but we can get stuck in our season or our particular opinions. So let's say I'm, I'm the red and I, I'm, I'm a family with a young child and so I have that perspective. And the orange, let's say that's the singles in this church. And the yellow, let's say that's the retired people. Whatever. You can do it by your season. You could do it by your background. There's so many backgrounds in this church. Some of you have your doctorate, your master's degree. Some of you dropped out of high school. Some of you come from wealthy homes. Some of you were dirt poor. We all have such varied backgrounds. And we're all a different color, if you will, on this ball. And just because we have a different opinion, you disagree. I don't really like how we interpreted that scripture. I don't really know that we can start to get it in our minds. Oh, I don't belong here then. 
this isn't the church for me because I want a church that's all orange. I want a church that's all families with young kids. Or I want a church that believes the same non-essential things that I believe. When I say non-essential, this is what I mean. Christianity, the faith, Christian faith, is based up on some essential things that make it Christianity. Jesus Christ crucified, that that God is uh, a a trinity, three persons in one, right? The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, that there is a heaven, there is a hell, that we are saved by grace, not by works. Okay, there's more, but those are the essentials. That means you have to believe those things to be believing Christianity. If if you veer off from that, like, well, I don't think there's a hell, you believe something, but it's not Christianity, right? So when I say non-essential things, I mean things like, are the gifts for today, or I like prosperity gospel. I don't like prosperity gospel. I like, you know, I think we should, the non-essentials. When we disagree with non-essential things or different perspectives, we can start to think, well, no, this isn't the place for me because it's so different. I disagree. I don't know if I like how they, and then we create this culture where we just go from church to church or group to group till we find one that fits us. I I had a, a friend that, um, uh, we were catching up. I said, oh, how, how, how are things at your church? And she's like, oh, we, we changed, actually. And I was like, what? You, you loved that church. You know, like, what happened? And she's like, oh, nothing was wrong with it. She's like, it was a great church. I was single there, and that's where I met my husband, and they were awesome to counsel us and get us married. But now we're starting to have kids, so I want to find a church that, you know, focuses on, on that now. It's like, I, I understand that, right? I, I can see why we might do that, but but we're selling ourselves short as the body of Christ. If we're trying to only find a church that's all red, all like me, all same season, or all same beliefs, there's no disagreeing, there's no friction in our, in our conversations. Because again, in this culture, friction in a conversation is bad. You know, if you don't agree with me, then you hate me and you're against me. Listen, if we lose the ability to have heated discussions where it's like, I don't agree and this is why, well, I don't agree, we will stop moving forward. As a people, as a nation, you can't be afraid of conversations where you disagree, but you do that with honor, respecting the person. You finish your sentence, okay, well, I don't agree with that, and here's why, now let me finish my sentence. And we want, we want to go to a place where it looks just, it's all like me. No one ever gets under my skin because they, they, they think something different than me. You're going to have to keep changing forever. I disagree with myself. <laughs> Does anyone else have that? I'm like, why did I do that? Why did I say that? If I disagree with myself, how am I going to find a church, a leadership that never says anything that rubs me the wrong way? In, my, in our, David and I's small group, it's funny to me because it happened within the same month. We had one of, someone come to me and just kind of mention in conversation it came up. They were like, you, you know, you, you, you guys always talk on marriage in here, which I understand because the majority of the group is married now. And I, and I realize it's important, but it's just kind of, you know, it kind of stinks for those of us who are still single in the group it's like, nah, it doesn't really apply to us. And I'm like, sure, I hear you out. I hear you, you know, sorry. <laughs> uh, you know, and then, but in the same month, someone that married in our group came to me and said, you guys always favor the singles. You never talk on marriage. You baby, you don't want to make them feel bad because they're not married yet. And, 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 but we need, we need more teachings on marriage. How could that be? How can those two opinions exist in the same group? Who is lying? Who was being a drama queen? No, it was their perspective because one of them's red and one of them's white. And so when you, you, when you come and you have a teaching or a sermon and it's outside of maybe what applies to you, it can be like, Ugh, you know, well, here again, we're talking about 
healing of our past. I had great past, you know. And we only get irritated and notice the things that rub us the wrong way or don't apply to us. Is it really unity if you all agree naturally? When, when we say we should have unity in the body of Christ, it's the power and it's the, it, it's the wonder and it's the miracle of people from every background, every type of upbringing, different opinions coming together and saying, you know what, I think you know, that kids get more attention in this church, but it's okay, I'm going to honor that. I'm going to show them honor because I care. Even if I don't have kids yet, I should be trying to outdo everyone here with the honor I'm showing them. So when group, you know, talks too much about think I'm going to show them honor and not bail because it doesn't apply to me. All right. Our last section that we'll go through quickly. How can I disagree without dishonoring, right? Because there's going to be many things you disagree on in government, in this church, in your family, you know, at work. So how can we do that without dishonoring? Take the issue first to God. Right? That is what our first response should always be. God, that irritated me. I disagree with that. I think, vent it to God. There are so many things that don't even need to go past that, that you just need to let it go. Because of what? Because there's so many differences, there's so many backgrounds, you're going to get irritated. That's okay. You need to let it go to God. Now, let's say it's bigger than that. Let's say, like, no, I think something that was said was unbiblical or, you know, was very hurtful or it needs to be addressed. Okay then take it to the person you disagree with. Take it to that person. It is 100% okay to disagree and go to them. B people in Dave and I's group do that all the time. They're like, mm, I don't know if it says that in scripture. And we're like, yes, good, let's talk about it. Because we want to know that we're, we're living the right way. Here's where you dishonor when you disagree. Let's say you hear something in group or on a Sunday or whatever, and you're like, hmm, I don't know if I agree with that, if I agree with that, how they're interpreting and you ask the person, hey, what do you think about what, you know, Susie said in group? Well, you didn't like it either? Yeah, yeah, me too. I think she was wrong too. And you start gathering and garnering support with people, trying to find who else disagrees. I believe that is when you have stepped into dishonor. It's okay to disagree, but you need to go to that person, not try to find other people who disagree, who are offended, to either build up, you know, for whatever purpose, to build up your nerves to go approach that person, you know, we all think here that you should have done, well, now you've dishonored. It's okay. You have now dishonored by disagreeing uh, the wrong way. All right. And then thirdly, you can go to a mediator. Let's say you go to the person and then, and you're not seeing eye to eye and it's not something you can just let go, then, then, then take it to a pastor, a counselor. Again, not a buddy who's going to get offended and join the, no, someone, a trusted counselor that can help talk through uh, that issue. And to end, I have one more story about high school, about a teacher. The next year, I was in a chemistry class, and I had a bad grade. I was not doing well, and it bothered me because my personality, it wasn't that I was particularly bright. I just have a personality that's very like, you know, I got to do well because it makes me feel good. So I was frustrated because I wasn't doing well, and I could not understand the teacher. I was not connecting with them, and I had gone after for tutoring. I had done all the things I could think of to do, and I felt like uh, he was pretty dismissive and just not even trying uh, to help me think of solution or to, to, I don't know, I just was at my wit's end, and I was taking the exam before Christmas break, you know, the last day of school, and I knew I had failed it, and I was so irritated because I was like, I didn't know what else to do. 
So I wrote a note with the time I had left before the bell rang, and I wrote a note to a teacher that I loved. I had my health teacher. She just was, I think, a great teacher. She connected with me. She would take time, you know, to help us and talk with us. So I wrote her a note, and I said, you know, dear so-and-so, I have this teacher. I'm failing this class. These are the things I've done. You know, I've gone, I've tried, but I'm not connecting. I need your perspective. I would love your perspective. When I come back from Christmas break, can you be thinking over the break, suggestions for me because I, I'm clearly not uh, approaching this the right way and I want to I want to improve the grade I want to get along with him please be thinking and help advise me when we get back from break so I put the note under her her door of her office and I got on the bus and went home by the time I got home from the bus stop the bus route I, I walked in and my mom said oh you a teacher just called and left a voicemail on our answer machine. So I played the voicemail, and my teacher called me, the one that I wrote the note to, and said, Aslan, I got your note. I was very moved by your note and how you approached the situation. I took it to the principal. He told me to tell you you will have a new chemistry teacher by the time Christmas break is over. Don't worry. We'll get you a new teacher. God honors you when you honor others. I don't know the backstory. Maybe he was already on the chopping block. I wasn't trying to get the man fired, but I did. I came back from Christmas break. We had a new teacher. She was amazing. I was able to bring my grade up. But I was able to disagree or, or try to find a solution, even though I didn't agree. Everyone in the class would talk over and make fun of me. They didn't speak the language. So much dishonor. But when you choose to still honor position, whether you agree with it or not, God will find a way to honor you and work it out because he does have more for you.